I find myself saying bro occasionally and it's I don't know where it comes from when I'm like quickly trying to get somebody's attention I'm like no bro listen you have to and I don't usually use bro but in moments of I guess some anxiety I've started to I think it's like a respectful distant word Mm -hmm. where you're like bro like I respect (laughs) you as a person bro but Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. I'm gonna tell you something you don't want to hear right now bro Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, in that way, it's just like, prepare to be condescended to. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, bro. <laughs> no, bro, I think we've got to have a talk with you about saying bro, bro. Oh, no. That word's it, now a no-go. No, here's the thing, though, is I think it's a little bit disarming to say bro. It, it's very leveling, in my opinion. It's like mm-hmm. you're talking to a sibling is the kind of idea, I feel like. It's like, yeah. I'm about to say something to you that's like not exactly polite or professional, but you need to hear it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I do mean it as a word of camaraderie. I yeah. do try to mean like I'm on your side here. Yeah, for yeah. real. Speaking yeah. from a place of empathy. Yeah, it's not a word that, I mean, there is a certain distance there, but it, it suggests some familiarity, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I said, a respectful distance. Respectful distance, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Do you feel like if you were to say, for instance, sit down with a group of people and play a really freaking complicated board game, what, what's the proper tone to establish with them? Like right off the bat, do you, do you do you go for like chummy and friendly, or do you go for a slow to warm up? Like, what's your vibe? I mean, I'm always trying to play the ambassador, trying mm-hmm. to be the nice person and get everybody to be friends, and we're all in this together. Uh, let's get everybody's engine moving and stuff. I don't usually, depending on the game, don't go for straight animosity unless the game obviously requires that in turn one. <laughs> Jake, I would love to see you go for straight animosity one day. <laughs> but like, so funny. In games that have a long time, you obviously are going to start getting competitive like, you know, this or notably Twilight Imperium, which I played last weekend in person for the Whoa. first time in two years. Wow. And it was a it was a standard 11 hour game. But <laughs> definitely like, you know, over the course of that, people stop trusting you no matter how kind you sound. The funny part about Twilight Imperium is it's so long that you lose trust in someone and then have to trust them hours later yeah you, you know? go through a saga of relationships <laughs> yeah, with people for real yeah. yeah remember turn four <laughs> when we were not lovers uh yeah i was uh there's a title that i've earned um from our good friend ruel gaviola which is uh jake is a silver-tongued devil mm. Mm. Uh, pretty consistently he thinks i'm uh the sweet words that i whisper are lies <laughs> hey, it's better than being a Sarween tool, you know what I mean? <laughs> nice. I agree, Jake. I there's something about you where even going into a game like we in our Oath Chronicles or whatever, where it's like Jake is not going to win this game. You do a really good job of just kind of like stepping right out of the way of the line of fire. <laughs> you don't like argue, which we're gonna get to in this episode about table talk. You don't say a bunch of untrue things. No. Like, oh, I'm not gonna win or anything like that usually. It's just like, hey, just so that, e- bro, just so that everyone <laughs> understands what's going on, uh, this is the situation. It's like a very logical thing that it really works on me. I'll tell you what, you can snake charm me pretty good. Yeah. But that's the thing is I don't I truly I'm being honest when I say this right now. I'm not trying to charm you. I just know that you won't respect me if I lie to you. And so you'll respect me if I tell you the truth. And I want I why not why not be as honest as possible? It's like, yes, this is the situation. I am in the lead and I have a shot at winning. 
but it's not guaranteed. So if I give you hope, that's exactly what you want. And that is, you have that chance. I'm not lying about that. So I just try to tell you as many truths as I can. Uh, well, yes, getting ready to step out of the line of fire when possible. Man, it's so effective, too, because you just, like, put the ball squarely in our court to stop you then when you say stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm just like, ah, I don't even know if I want to anymore. He's such a good <laughs> ruler yeah. of the forest. We should just, like... What a noble guy. Should we yeah. put it to a vote? Or, like, what do you think? <laughs> If a game of her ended in a vote. <laughs> it just turns into a game of democracy. <laughs> wow, this woodland's pretty progressive. I love it. <laughs> well, yeah, let's I guess let's get into the meat of it. We're talking table talking again. Again, that's right. I know. Everyone's like, didn't you already cover this? Well, it turns out there's kind of an endless well here. Yeah, and like... I, I can't stop talking about this because even beyond root, this is such an important factor in gaming. Oh, yeah, this is huge. And uh, with the arrival of the winter tournament, we've seen so much <laughs> great table talking. And it's it's been kind of amazing to me that like each table has its own flavor of table talk that has like really emerged and kind of crystallized over the course of the game. So can't wait to dive into that. First, though, I think we got a couple of things on the docket in terms of Root News. Root News! Root News! That's right, folks. You've all been waiting for it. Root Digital is now available on Nintendo Switch. Woohoo! That's I'm right. It. Your nephew can now play <laughs> Root. <laughs> There's not too much on this news. It's just Root Digital is available on Nintendo Switch, which is cool. It's going to open it up to a little different audience. Yeah, I edited out the full minute of silence. We all waited for each other to follow up on this news item. <laughs> I had a Nintendo when I was young. Well, uh, I mean, honestly, there, there's this is good news because it means there's going to be more people, theoretically, that will see this great game. So hopefully we'll get some new converts. That's yeah. true. I do feel like I have more questions than I have like declarative statements about this. <laughs> <laughs> My questions include, can you play online on the Switch without getting a subscription to Nintendo Internet? I don't land? think so. <laughs> and yeah, okay. does it only against... Is there a crossplay, Sam? Oof. Was not ready for all these follow-up questions. <laughs> this intrepid <laughs> reporter was not prepared. <laughs> Bro. <laughs> uh, yeah. I My assume... research involved uh, Googling but not clicking on any links. Yeah, I no. saw a tweet from the developers, and that was my main <laughs> Yeah, I just looked on Discord source. and saw that it was a thing. I thought I'd mention it. Um, well, congratulations to Direwolf, though. I mean, porting it to Nintendo Switch is not a small amount of work, which does actually give me a lot of hope that there's eventually going to be some future work on uh, the Root digital board game. Hopefully, we're going to get some EMP, additional maps, Factions, what have you. That's my sincere hope. And the fact that they've ported it to Nintendo Switch, again, not a small amount of work. That to me just says they've created some architecture to uh, continue to market the game. So if you got a Switch, why not go get it? It yeah. does have multiplayer. It looks like it might be limited to Nintendo Online. So if you play this game on Nintendo Switch, on Nintendo Online, please let us know and uh, we'll find three other people for you. And we'll try and hook you up with one game of online. <laughs> Kyle, you got a Switch, right? Yeah, yeah, I absolutely have a Switch. If you can't own more digital copies of Root than you like times three than you own a physical Root, which I guess is zero, so that's infinite. Zero. <laughs> yeah, try dividing by zero, Jake. Damn it. <laughs> um, I think I am gonna get it on on Switch. 
if nothing else than just to show my support for Brew Digital. Because, like, I'm going to be real. I've gotten so many hours of just genuine joy out of playing Root Online that, you know, why not pitch a couple bucks That's also, way. like, a small fiefdom that you will be the most powerful controller of. Like, that Nintendo Switch leaderboard will be dominated by Waterman 121. Oh, man, if they have their own leaderboard, like, it's over. Yeah. <laughs> it's over. Water bro one two one here on come. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, check that out. Uh, I'm I have not played it yet, but I am curious about like the interface as well. Like, is it more fun on the Switch? Like with more the little, fun? Like, is it cuter? Stuff? <laughs> Let's see. The screen is real nice. I was I was saying I'm gonna look way cooler on public transit uh, with a Switch <laughs> out playing Root. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Than your phone? Yeah. Yeah. You think it's cooler to have the Switch than your phone? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Jake, you think that? People being on a phone is cool. L- listener, the disdain in their eyes right now is actually physically hurting me. Nintendos are cool. Phones aren't cool. It's pretty easy. Phones, Phones are work. cool. Okay, good. <laughs> you, so you look more leisurely. Yeah, exactly. Than, okay, I understand. All right, well, also in Root news, <laughs> other than this very exciting announcement, uh, this life-changing announcement about Which Nintendo. Which really should have got edited down, but we left it all in. Kind of crazy. <laughs> well, the silence was cut. Uh, <laughs> Kyle, uh, take us back for this last weekend's tournament. Let's do a little tournament recap. All right. We had a couple of great games this week. Uh, let's see. I'm going to pull up my notes here. Um, I've been doing this thing where I'm like, doing like extended recaps of each game that I watch. Um, I'm almost like a journalist on the front lines. I feel like I'm a war correspondent. Yeah. That's how it feels really. <laughs> yes. News from the front. Uh, so yeah, over on the uh, Woodland Warriors discord uh, in the root tournament thread, um, I've got this whole thing going where I'm just like, I'm writing many paragraphs about each game and like the way they go and trying to make it fun. Um, but okay, here we go. It's uh, it's a new weekend. We've had a couple of games on the lake map this weekend, which I was totally delighted by because I've genuinely, you guys, I've really fallen in love with the lake map. Is it your favorite map? I think it's my favorite map. Wow. I'm a little sad that I didn't pick it for our last game, but I don't know. It seemed like winter map was the right way to go. Uh, so yeah, we had a couple of uh, a couple of games on the lake map. Uh, the first game on Friday was incredibly greedy. We had a matchup with the Eerie Dynasties, Corvid Conspiracy, Lord of the Hundreds, and the Underground Duchy. Ooh, that's a busy map. Yeah, there was a lot going on. Yeah. Um, I described it as a complex maneuvering game that led to a greed fest that then ultimately <laughs> opened up into a knockdown, drag out, scrap fest across the finish line. Well, uh, there's a lot of fests happening. What is a greed fest? Does it mean they tried to build a lot of things? Yeah, basically everybody went for the strategy that, like, get them the most points or the most cards or whatever in the shortest yeah. amount of time. Mm-hmm. So it was like a double bill of Eerie. It was like oh, uh, wow. money moles with like a bunch of markets and stuff. Like Lord of the Hundreds was just like dropping mobs and getting a bunch of items. And so everybody was really going for it. Uh, we saw a triple build despot <laughs> at one point That's in awesome. that game, That's which awesome. is, I think, a tournament first. Um, triple build, that wasn't like an intentional turmoil. That was like a... A I'm building three roofs every turn. Let's go. You know, Are they, were they using the mobs from the Lord of Hundreds to like take out a roost each turn? Uh, no, they were using the um, t- 
terror that they were creating at the table and just everybody was just bashing the heck out of the roosts. It was amazing. Well, I'll do it. <laughs> that's awesome. Three build. That's ambitious. It was fantastic. Uh, we, we had that followed with another game in the lake map. This one actually featured a friend of the pod, Lord of the Board, mm-hmm. uh, mm. as the Woodland Alliance. We had the uh, the Underground Duchy, Marquise de Cad, Woodland Alliance, and Lord of the Hundreds. Another game in the lake map. Um, this one was a little bit cagey. Like, everybody had a slow start and really just, like, built up their warrior count a bunch. And it led to this kind of situation where the map was just, like, full of warriors. Like, really, really, like, uh, there was no room to breathe at all. And then it kind of, like, fractured at a certain point. Like, this tends to happen in Root, where if you just have a couple turns where everyone's building up their armies, like, at a certain point, somebody goes for it and then just, like, all chaos breaks loose. And that's just a nice environment for an insurgent faction. So we had, right, the the moles, the cats, and the Lord of the Hundreds. It's three army factions plus the Woodland Alliance. In that type of environment, the Woodland Alliance just kind of got a little too much. They had Propaganda Bureau crafted. They got a little too much, and they ended up closing it out. I hadn't realized the power of Propaganda Bureau. We'd just done our versus the Woodland Alliance episode, and Kyle, you made sure to include it in the episode. I think I'd neglected to mention how dangerous of a craft that is. Yeah, it's pretty great. At first, I thought Corvid Planners was the ultimate card, and now I might be convinced that Propaganda Bureau might be the best card for the Woodland Alliance. Jeez, I mean, it is so powerful to be able to just, like, plop a warrior all the way across the board, especially on Lake Map, where things are, are a little tight for the Woodland Alliance, usually. So, very surprising underdog victory for the Alliance on the Lake Map. And the Alliance, that was Lord of the Board. Yeah, yeah. Lord of the Board yeah. won. Um, yeah, congratulations, Lord of the Board. Good job, um, buddy. And they had wiped all but one sympathy from the whole map from him, and they had taken Oof. out all his bases. He had, like, a couple supporters. He couldn't even spread sympathy, but what he always could do was propaganda bureau and organized for one point. He got stuck on 29 points, and then everyone <laughs> came after everything, and he was able to score one point. So win. short of sabotaging that, they couldn't really do anything. If they had taken out his last sympathy, I think he would have been toast. Oh, my goodness. Toast. Yeah. Good. Nice, Sam. Totally brutal. Uh, we had a game on the mountain map, which was pretty awesome. That's we had right. a game on the mountain map that was a double vagabond game. Oh, Wow. Pretty crazy. It was cats and birds and two vagabonds. Oh, no. <laughs> um, this one was notable because it was the adventurer and the thief. Oh, okay. Uh, but the thief decided to just do all the quests. And so it was the kind of game where, like, the adventurer is just getting beat up and the thief is questing. And, <laughs> and it was kind of interesting because usually cats do pretty well on mountain map. And they were having an okay game. Uh, the eerie was, like, up and then they were down. Everyone was started attacking the vagabonds a little bit, but then they kind of let them go. And the thief, for whatever reason, just like really spiked a bunch of points on quests and ended yeah. up closing it out for a victory. So we had a uh, our first vagabond win of the tournament, uh, coming nice. from a questing thief. And I just want to say the meta has completely gone insane. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, this is also just kind of stepping out of the meta for a second. This is a lesson we learned with BotBot when we played our practice game recently, right? Mm-hmm. Because he got away with a large amount of questing as the Vagabond. Was he Ranger or Arbiter? I think he was Ranger. I think he was, yeah. And um, he won. And when we did a little bit of analysis at the end of the game, we were like, so why did he win? It's because we didn't hit him, which is what we all said we need to do. <laughs> and like, 
and like we we definitely underestimated him now we were playing by the tournament rules so he had despot infamy is that what it's called yeah 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 so he was playing with that little bit of a hindrance and therefore we uh i guess as the metas predicted as we predicted about ourselves uh we underestimated him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah we get to have it both ways yeah uh, we win we claim something and predict its opposite that's how we get and it both ways <laughs> And then we do it. Um, <laughs> well, Kyle before the game was like, Vagabond's over, you know? And so yeah, like, yeah, I yeah, didn't yeah. want to be the person to waste my actions hitting somebody, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, I do think it is fun to like just go to the extreme and then be proven wrong. Yeah, and I think yeah. I was proven wrong today because like, or uh, that day during the tournament, because um, it was kind of a given before Despot Infamy that questing is just a waste of time. Right. Uh, because why not score as many points as you can using infamy? But now, it, it's almost like, well, you can score a bunch of points with questing if you do it right. Yeah. And we uh, we got to see some of the power there. Um, yeah, so really, really high quality win. Looking forward to some more Vagabond games in the future. Like, if that's the new meta, I'm actually totally here for a new quest meta. <laughs> do you yeah. think it's also because there's less attention to you from questing than there is from infamy i mean well, infamy pisses people off yeah exactly um i think ev everyone's gonna always hit the points leader but questing usually doesn't make you the points leader right. yeah like you said jake you're making less people mad when you're giving a speech or repairing a shed <laughs> it's a fine balance I, the, the thing to note though is that neither vagabond actually went hostile i think with anyone until like mm. very close to the end interesting um so there's a lot of aid points um a lot of questing so it's a very like peaceful vagabond strategies going on right now and maybe it's just because that we haven't like seen that in forever and so no one knows how to understand it's like threat level <laughs> yeah but it, it's interesting maybe in an environment where everyone is like racing quests are kind of the way to go maybe i don't know um more information needed i'm excited to see the continued evolution it's isn't it great to be a part of a game where the meta is just so molten like it's unsolved yeah. nothing about this is like certain at all so well, the early days and into it's it. minor changes like it's not like there's been like this huge patch where everything's different it's like just by tweaking one rule to make it more similar to another rule that we're familiar with in root you can completely change the game and and the ad set cards i think are obviously having a huge effect on the game as well yeah big time big time i'm loving seeing the ad set especially after we did our episode on advanced setup uh, it's really cool to see it implemented in like just game after game after game and watching mm -hmm. its ripple effect on a game of root. It adds so much. It adds the whole pro like the prologue as we talked about, right? It's like it's a whole nother game within it. I love mm -hmm. the drafting and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's wonderful. Watching people respond to the person in front of them. Very cool. Mm -hmm. uh, then we had game nine. Notably, Sam, you and I uh, were the casters for game nine. Yeah, we Very commentated fun. game nine. Mm -hmm. This is on the winter map. We had a fun faction mix of the Eerie Dynasties, the Marquise de Cat, the Corvid Conspiracy, and the Warlord, the good old Lord of the Hundreds. So again, three army factions and one insurgent faction, uh, that being the Corvids, on Winter Map. It was a pretty full map at a certain point, right? Mm -hmm. Not the same kind of like army buildup thing that we saw on Lake Map, but instead it was more of a, a tussle over space, trying to like direct the flow of traffic a little bit. There was some kind of staking out of territory going on. And then, Sam, I mean, we just saw the craziest, most overpowered, uh, fully online warlord that I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. <laughs> All the items were out. 
the board was full. It, it just seemed inevitable that the warlord was going to take it because they were going to earn points kind of pulling everybody back and had the actions to do it. And you could see they just like stormed around the map, just like ending dreams for like every yeah. faction. <laughs> yeah. It was like amazing to watch. Yeah. And that's what they're supposed to do. Like that's the, we, we, we've just played so infrequently when they're at the height of their power. So when we see it, we're, it's a sight to behold. Yeah, that's true. But it was not the Lord of the Hundreds day. Oh no. No, at the last possible second, uh, fan of the pod, Squidmark, as the oh, Eerie Dynasties, was in a situation where Lord of the Hundreds had like wiped the map of Roost except for one, and the decree had been alive for such a long time that the the move column was full of different suits, had to come up with an end game puzzle solve to win <laughs> yeah. it. It was a long time. Squid was sitting there, and we were trying to figure it out while we were commentating. We're like, wait, you could go here, go here, because it was like, do you double build? on your final turn and he had like I feel like he had four warriors to make like seven moves in three battles with and it was like <laughs> how is he gonna do this yeah and it just had to go perfectly yeah. in order to like hit 30 points like it just like barely exactly <laughs> hit 30 points yeah. and uh, and credit to Squid he took his time and figured it out and and just really threaded the needle and spiked a victory just like just Snatched it away from the Warlord. It was oh, awesome. Uh, it was a really good game. <laughs> yeah, it was a really good game. And I will say, I've noticed a lot of listeners winning their games in the tournament. That's Ooh, what I'll say. All right, throwing it out there. Now, granted, <laughs> people that would win a root tournament game are probably the type of people that will listen to a podcast no matter what. <laughs> yeah, I think on this one, correlation is for sure causation. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think that's safe to assume. Uh, last game of the weekend. I did not watch. I'm sorry, you guys. I can't. Hey, you're you're allowed one. to like not do something root related on your weekend. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, I didn't. If you could forgive yourself. Yeah. From what I can tell, it seemed like there was a a dominance play from the warlord, but then the otters won. <laughs> okay. Otters got a win finally. Yeah. All right. Nice. That's that's my impression of what happened. I'm uh. <laughs> yeah, I th that is what happened. Okay, great. <laughs> I think we're still looking for a cat's victory. Yeah, cats have been having a rough time so far. Um, lizards, I have, have lizards won? Lizards have did. not won yet. No, they haven't? No, no, they almost won They've game been one. in a lot of games, I feel like, though. Yeah. The lizards have been more favored than ever before. I think ad set changed everybody. They're like, we can do it now. Yeah. <laughs> big time, big time. I love seeing the lizards on the map. All right. So let's get into this episode proper. Look who's table talking to T-O-O. -O. Now, <laughs> why are we doing a sequel episode? Well, uh, we kind of look back in the, the first table talk episode we did. Uh, look who's table talking. Period. Good. Good pause. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Full stop. We terminate that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so in our first uh, table talk episode, look who's table talking. It was kind of an introduction to these ideas. We defined terms like entanglement and checking other players. Um, and we presented like kind of just those like bare concepts. But in this episode, hopefully we're going to cover them like in more depth and kind of talk about their application within like real games. We kind of all have heard us talk about checking and bopping. We've got these versus guides going now. So we felt like this was a great time to kind of revisit this topic of kind of the diplomacy above the table 
when playing a game of Root. Yeah, neglect the um, table talk at your own peril when you're playing Root. It's <laughs> yeah. um, it is such a it is such a, a layer of gameplay um, that it's it's hard to deny. Uh, if you're really used to playing on uh, Root Digital, then this may seem a, a bit overblown to you. But believe me, in any root game where you can actually talk to your opponents in real time, it it becomes a game of diplomacy as much as it is a strategy game. Yeah. So I think like the main things I want to hit here, uh, obviously, we talked about the concept of heat when when the heat's on you and everyone is mad at you for doing so well in the game that they're going to attack you. This is what we mean by heat. We're going to talk about preventing heat. We're going to talk about deflecting heat once you've gotten it. <laughs> okay. And then we're also going to kind of talk about cutting through the BS of all the things people are going to say and they don't mean. Um, <laughs> and then we're going to kind of talk about how to use table talk in kind of the tangled mess of the end game. And then Kyle also has some um, kind of rule of thumbs. What do you call him, Kyle, here at the end? I, I'm developing a, like, I, like I should go to grad school or something. I'm developing like a, like a central tenet of root table talk i'm calling it the ned stark rule of multipolar conflict we'll get there (laughs) the ned stark memorial rule that's right the ned stark Uh, memorial rule of multipolar (laughs) conflict yeah uh but uh before we kind of get into these things uh we had a very interesting question from listener sir bourbon also someone who won their tournament game oh well done congrats when we were talking about table talk they offered up a very interesting question which was what about when a player doesn't talk? The silent individual whom we have seen in the winter tournament, whom usually is about to have a big turn or is indeed a threat and wants to hide. Yeah, so I've been asking, what does the silence mean? Are people upset or are they hiding something? Yeah, it depends on the individual for sure. But uh, one one thing that I th- I've heard on uh, a lot of game casts of root games and just kind of some general wisdom that I've heard is that when people have a win or when people are about to have a great turn, they sometimes just keep it to themselves mm-hmm. and they're just not going to let you know. Well, I mean, of course they're not going to, why would they let you know? I mean, you know, it's, it's surprisingly hard to not celebrate like the fact that you're about to have a great turn. You know, it's exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. You want to like say it, but or like talk too much to try to cover up that fact too. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I people were noting the differences uh, with you, Kyle. They said that you are the only person. This is what our listener said. You're the only person they've seen that has the inverse rule, where when you go quiet, it means that you're you don't have that much hope left. Oh, I'm furious <laughs> and yeah. despairing. Yeah, that's that's usually what it means when I'm like fully silent at a game of root. That yeah, that there I, is so little hope that it's not even <laughs> worth me like disrupting the like end stage of the game in order to get some table talk in. Yeah, we had one of those games where in our practice game where I was kind of out to a runaway lead as the otters and Kyle was just silent for so long because he was so mad that he you know wasn't in a good position and that I was and no one was doing something about it and he was just pretty quiet. I did lose though. Yeah, I was happy about that. Um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I, I'm also like, I'm getting a little bit used to playing like chess a little more seriously and that game is like completely silent that's true yeah Yeah. it's like really wild like there's no need for table talk (laughs) no there isn't it's such a different it's just bipolar 
Right. And it's win, lose or draw. Like the, right. it's just, it's one after one perfect information. <laughs> like what would you even say? Like there's not, there's nothing to say. So yeah, I think that's kind of bleeding into my root game a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, Nev has a good thing here. Shouts to Nev. This is one of many things he's contributed to this episode. He said, the person who is talking the most is hiding something. The person who is talking the least is hiding everything. (laughs) (laughs) Which I feel like is just like almost like a line from a book, but is pretty sweet. Um, That's a really good (laughs) quote, Nev. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Here's what I will say about, there are some people who are by nature a little bit quieter. Yeah. And... We love people. We love those people. We love all people. Be aware that if someone is just fading into the background of a root game, that doesn't mean that they're not equally a part of that root game. Yeah. And could have good winning chances. You need to pay attention to everybody. Just because someone is talking a lot doesn't mean that they should be your main point of focus. It's important to maintain a little like private space inside your own mind to like have a you know, objective analysis of the board state. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to always voice your suspicions, too. I don't know if I fully agree with this, this person who's talking the most is hiding something, because in my experience, the person who's talking the most is also most desperate. Yeah, (laughs) that's fair. It really depends on uh, the game and the situation, and obviously the person, too. So I I would take that with uh, a a bag of salt. That being said, though, like... (laughs) You don't have to call everybody out, and in fact, you're kind of slowing down the momentum of the game by talking about talking too much during the game as opposed to just kind of playing the conversation a little bit you know Mm -hmm. i'm afraid i don't know how meta this is getting but really like if you overanalyze people openly it's kind of like giving away your hand a little bit because you have that's information that's valuable to you if you can sense that someone's lying you don't have to necessarily tell everybody because it might be beneficial for you to hold that information and see how it plays out Yeah, Yeah. one of the games that we're going to reference several times during this pod is game one of the most recent winter tournament. Go and watch game one and actually don't watch all of game one because it went way long. Skip to three hours and 18 minutes into the game. (laughs) This is not a joke. Skip three hours and 18 minutes into the game and watch it to the end. It's like just the last four turns. That is it. It's like 40 minutes, but the amount of table talk that's going on to try to figure all this out is going wild between three of the players and one player they keep joking around is like this guy's checked out he's not even at his computer anymore because he's been playing root for over three and a half hours (laughs) right who can blame him he's bad that he hasn't won the game yet and everyone's slowing it down um and that person wins and and so it kind of does go to show you that that silence you know you can let them kind of spin out of control by themselves kind of give them the the rope they need to hang their own game on yeah because i mean there's a there's a good i feel like there's some wisdom in uh just like not dominating the conversation like Mm -hmm. not putting a spotlight on yourself or at least like not trying to make your prism of your viewpoint everybody else's prism by trying to convince them to do things your way by just like leaving space sometimes people kind of Forget about your perspective and then do something else other than stop you, which they probably should. (laughs) I I tend to talk a lot in these games, but something I aim to do and I admit I don't always succeed is like be brief. Brevity is key in this because like you you can take up a lot of space and and talk a lot, but people are going to stop listening to you at some point. And they're also going to start suspecting you the more you talk. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, honestly, table talk is about managing your table credibility. 
mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and when to spend your social capital. There you go. Mm-hmm. You know, that it, that doing it wisely is going to be huge. And hopefully you don't have to spend a bunch of your social capital if you've done a good job preventing the heat on you in the first place. That's right. So as the experienced player, which is what we're going to talk about next, right? You start out with a lot of that credit already, that capital, right? Yes, and and the heat, both of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, get, mm-hmm. you have both at the beginning. Yeah. Um, I want to start first with uh, Prince uh, wrote in here. He says, my method of improving my chances of winning is claiming that I haven't played or only played a few times with this faction on this map with this deck or whatever. He says, uh, kind of like Drake and Josh from the Billiards episode. Yeah, it's like it's like pool sharking here. He says, Sea Coyote can attest. That's how I won the first game I played with them as cats. This is my first game with cats on Lake Map, you guys. <laughs> um, and I thought that was so funny. I was kind of having fun with him in the in in our Discord. I was saying like, Hey, this is the first time I played Vagabond on a Thursday. Lay off me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is like if you are trying to make yourself like defer to the experienced player at the table be like oh no this is your show so that you can hide in the shadows a little bit feigning some unfamiliarity with the exact faction combo because there's always something kind of new present in these faction mix-ups you know there's always something new a a different card oh they crafted that improvement Mm, you can kind of use that to your advantage a little this feels a little silly I love it. This feels like you showed up to an in-person root tournament with like a sideways baseball cap and you're like, I would like to play (laughs) knowing that you've played 30 games already. Right. (laughs) Like you're just holding your thumbs in your suspenders, looking around wide eyed. Yeah. Oh, did I miss the Monopoly tournament? Well, I guess I'll stick around for Root. (laughs) Think about the opposite of this, though. Right. Because if you go to the table and you're like, oh, I know everything. Oh, you've crafted this card. Oh, that means that like they're about to win the game. Like everyone should like deal with that right now. I know because I'm super experienced. Like if you go in with that attitude, like you're going to get the heat. You know what I mean? (laughs) If you go in with that knowledge, you don't have to share that knowledge. Right. Just like, but you're sharing a lie in this case, which is that you, I mean, it's not a lie if you've never played that combination. Or you've only played it a few times. <laughs> it's Jake. fine. It's a little theatrical. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. It definitely is. Yeah. Um, and I, and I, I love it. I think if you, if you're trying to get some, if you're trying to prevent heat, feigning inexperience is an option. I think, yeah. it, okay, sure. Uh, yes, it is an option. Better option. Get better at talking. (laughs) Well, uh, I guess maybe just like don't cast yourself as like the figure of authority at the table. Right. Because I mean, I feel like the natural inclination in a group is to like take the authority figure if they start to win even a little bit and like take them down peg. You know what I mean? Keep your ego in check. Right. For sure. So, yeah, if you're going to get to a table and try and cast yourself in that sort of role, like expect that there's some heat that's going to come with that type of thing right yeah and but the experienced player at the table like jake said it also you come with that social capital um opie's funeral uh has a great post in our discord i've kind of got it summed up here at the end where he says a closely related social role uh to the experienced player at the table is that of the critic somebody who subtly points out the flaws or inherent dangers in your moves to the point uh, where you are paralyzed with indecision and opt for a suboptimal play. He notes that this shouldn't be done in a malicious or irritating way, but the power of a tough question 
or else simply commenting on a trade-off that the player is making at a pivotal moment in the game is not to be underestimated. And I think that's right. A, a tough question can really change the game. That's, but that's what we, yeah, exactly. I love this quote. And I also love that, like, it's about the logic of it because it's yes. a tough question because it's valid. You're convincing right. the other person, which is also just a better version of the experienced player because if you are the experienced player and you're sharing that knowledge and they kind of will at least have some respect for you in the way that you are asking it, then they're going to listen to you. And that's what you want them to do when you are talking is yeah. take your advice because it's ideally in your benefit as well. Yeah, you need to scour your brain to come up with a good reason why you should be that person's teammate for for a move for a turn or whatever it is and if you don't if you're just doing it because you're like please let me get away with something that's not gonna work also note that like when opie says you know you pointing out the flaws or inherent dangers to the point where you're paralyzed with indecision that sounds awful um but what he what i think we mean by that is to not berate someone or constantly put pressure right. on them in fact it, again back to brevity it's better to just ask that tough question and let the silence speak for itself mm -hmm. because if they can't answer and there's a vacuum there we all acknowledge that <laughs> right uh if you're gonna do that to me who's going to attack the woodland alliance yeah. Right. It's like a question where it's like, oh, we saw a tournament game. I think it was um, Squidmark's game kind of fell down where the Lord of the Hundreds couldn't prioritize both him and uh, the crows. I believe it was in that game. And thus one roost was left alive and Squidmark was able to make that one roost work and close out the game. So wow, those kind of tough questions really can make a, a pivotal moment uh shift in your direction mm -hmm. yeah and also identifying a pivotal moment i feel like that's like a good yeah. thing to aim for in table talk is like really just like try to identify where these turning points are are coming where they're happening because then that can kind of start to create a little bit of a narrative that you can use you know one way or the other to to help out your future table talk because if you're like oh this is like a big pivotal moment like who are you going to go after in this like mid-game kind of like molten situation and somebody goes and checks the cats and you're like, okay, well in this story of this game, like they went and checked the cats. So sometimes that means they don't have to check the cats anymore. Trying to identify those pivotal moments helps to create the story beats that you can use as part of your table talk narrative. Ooh, great segue into narrative here, Kyle, because I've got a question for you guys. Isn't table talk just manipulation? <laughs> I mean, if you're going to go for like a real politique answer, sure, <laughs> I guess. But it couldn't ever be because then if that were the case, then the only thing anyone would ever say is like, I don't have it on my turn, just on an infinite loop. You know, <laughs> I mean, there's degrees of manipulation, too, right? Like there's there's telling somebody that this would be a good move for them because it is true. And it is quietly also a good move for you. That is probably manipulation, right? But then, like, outright lying to someone that you don't have something that you can do or you will be betraying them, but, like, convincing them to trust you, that's more extreme manipulation. <laughs> but it really is. There's a, there's a spectrum here that we're talking about. I think that not all table talk is manipulation. But, again, we're in the magic circle, and we talked about this in our first episode, and mm -hmm. we can kind of... Once we're a bunch of warlords fighting over forest territory, we're expected to manipulate each other. We are fighting each other so it's okay to okay to play a little dirty in that regard yeah especially once you get to tournament play where the whole thing is like the winner 
is what matters. Do sure. whatever you got to do to win outside of cheating, right? All right. Here we go. Uh, I got a quote here from the great Sea Coyote, another winner of their tournament game. Um, he's, uh, they say here, don't start table talk before you have to. Table talk is a narrative story you're going to get a table to play along with. Have the pieces of the story you need. Is there a common villain? Why are you helpful? What are warning signs to watch for? These are questions you want to ask and answer. Table talk isn't about getting exactly what you want. It's about getting the other players to view the board state the way you want them to. Mm. Yeah, I love I love this. I think this is a really lovely way to view table talk because if you're going about table talk just thinking like, oh, I have to manipulate the other people at the table. Right. I just feel like that's a really hard thing to do. <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> just like hard to do and it, it kind of is annoying to put that pressure on yourself during a fun game, you know what I mean? Like instead I really like this idea of like the the game is a story. What are the story beats that you can highlight in order to paint somebody as a villain or uh get everyone to pay attention to a, a particular threat and kind of gloss over the threat that you pose, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's just easier and a little more fun. Uh, to turn it into a story. Um, getting other players to view the board state the way you want them to, I think is a good motivation um, because it's a positive thing to do with table talk, right? Highlight a clearing or threat. Get a conversation started about like, well, who's going to deal with that? Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. the, the more kind of like energy and focus we spend dealing with that threat, the less social capital we're investing in dealing with you, you know? (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I think that's good. That's a really cool way to think about it. I see there's another portion of this quote. You can take the focus off of one of your clearings if you get another clearing or issue stuck in their mind. Oh, yeah. So yeah, this is a little bit of, uh, is this like mind viruses or whatever? (laughs) (laughs) Just create a mind virus at the table. Mind virus. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no! Another character for <laughs> no, season no. two. I'm, there's not a character named Mind Virus. It just sounded like maybe a Judas Priest song. <laughs> We're gonna kind of get into this when it when we talk about rephrasing "quote unquote" the board state, and I think <laughs> I that's it. kind of what Sea uh, Coyote is hinting at here. Um, but we have very limited tools in our table talk in Root. We don't have a currency that we can pay other people to do things with, kind of outside of the otters. Maybe the vagabond could aid you a card. There's not a lot of like payment you can do, so it's kind of favors and finding common ground. Uh, SCPT Matt, shout out Matt, uh, says, (laughs) to be real, the hardest part of Root is that nothing is properly transactional, so all deals are taken on faith alone. That's a reference to the fact that in a game of like Twilight Imperium, there are deals that are made that are transactional that they actually have to give something if they make an agreement within that round, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas in this, it's like, listen, on your turn, I need you to do this. And that other player can tell you whatever you want to hear, but on their turn, they can also do whatever they want. And by no rule of the game are they meant, are they uh, held to their word. Right. Yeah. No deals are binding. Yeah. It's, it is interesting it's a little bit like, you know that phrase from A Song of Ice and Fire, words are wind? It's a little bit like, you got to keep that in, in your head as well. Like, all of these, you know, words that are flying around the table are meant to kind of like push 
the direction of the game in one way or the other. And, um, you know, the fact that nothing is binding is actually kind of helpful, too, because then it lets you react to stuff that happens on the board. Mm -hmm. So if you made a deal with somebody and then they have, like, a a move that puts them in an excellent position, like, you know, (laughs) you got to stab them. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And in terms of, like, where we want to spend our social capital, right? Jake, I think, is is kind of, like, harping on, like, you want to be brief. You don't want to be taking up everybody's mind we want to be able to trust you so when are the moments where you want to spend that table trust to kind of get people to see the board state the way you want and nev offers up four key moments here in the game the first is initial setup which i think is right like especially an ad set we can kind of be like where do you want to go where should i be we want to kind of stay out of each other's way and i would include that like kind of first turn in there like where do you want to build like we can work things out in that initial setup the second is early preemptive policing like if a faction looks like they're going to turtle and build a couple markets i won't name the faction but maybe they need to be preemptively policed, in which case it might be worth spending your social capital to make sure a snowball doesn't get out of control. The third is taking down the point leader, doing the big mid-game check where we have to make sure that the person who's currently ahead doesn't just keep remaining ahead and run away with it. And then four is king-making, or I would just argue the end game, where... We have a certain amount of threats, and how does everybody check everybody, and how do we make sure nobody wins this game? So those are the four moments. What do you guys think? Sorry, I should have asked this before you went into it. What do you mean by spend your social capital? I think it's kind of uh, doing that thing of like, wait, 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 hold on. Guys, don't we want to consider X, Y, and Z, whether that's the initial setup? Like, are we worried that this placement of this garden here is going to eventually come back to bite you because I'm going to need to come through that way or uh, stuff like that. So I think, Jake, I think it's a matter of like when you try to spend that table trust that you have and like I need... By being selfish in the moment and what you're talking about, like being open that hey, I need to accomplish something because I'm also a player in this game. Potentially. I would say like just to be very specific spending social capital to me is equivalent to like using table talk towards some like positive or productive end as opposed to just like letting the game pass by or commenting on what's happening in the game and sort of a like oh look that's like observational kind of way instead you're using table talk towards to, to convince somebody or muster support or you know cause someone to do something that to me is like spending social capital as opposed to just like you know something neutral like commenting that something happened right is that a, a distinction that you find helpful? <laughs> maybe we, maybe I need to define social capital. Yeah, okay. That, this is a good time to do it. Sam, what is social capital? I think it's the trust that the other players have in you, that mm-hmm. you are working in good faith, kind of. So, okay, I agree. And I think that's exactly how I understand it, too. So then are you spending that? Are you Are people distrusting you? By you speaking out for something that benefits you, but not clearly? Yeah, I think you are. I think anytime it's your plan, 
there's a little bit of heat, even if it works yeah. out for everybody involved. I think mm-hmm. there's a little bit of heat that goes on you because you're you're big boss man at the table now. So anytime you're talking, there's a little bit of attrition on your on your capital a little bit it there. You're be. losing I, a little bit. No, I'm that makes sense because you're taking attention to yourself in a four player game and they're looking at one of their competitors, right? I think anytime you're interrupting the kind of like natural flow to have people consider things from a point of view that it is obviously coming from you, your point of view, that that is spending capital. I don't think every time you open your mouth necessarily, you know, just because you want to say something, but anytime that you are kind of having people re-examine or take a second look through your eyes or the ideas that you're bringing to the table, yeah, I think you are spending a bit of social capital. Yeah, and I'm not sure if it's like spending it, like there's a number and that number goes right. down exactly, right, but right, like right. maybe like more like leveraging it. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're attempting to use the amount that you've accrued in order to convince the table. You're investing like, it yeah. in a mutual fund between right. the other three players. Okay. Exactly. This yeah. analogy is making more sense. <laughs> and if you're silent, then you're investing it in crypto. <laughs> I just want to make sure that we're like, yeah, we're not. It's not a it's not a binary thing, right? That you either have it or you don't. It's that you. It's it's a. It's kind of a relationship that you can push on a little bit, right? Yeah, exactly. And and I think there is a level of social capital that is basically built on, like, how much have you table-talked the game into its current state? Yeah. Because if you've come up with a big plan, like, two turns ago, and now you're trying to, like, come up with another big plan for the table to do, it just feels like it's not going to happen the second time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. you get one chance to have, like, a big table-talk moment. Yes, Except for some rare instances with an endgame situation, but right. that's its own whole environment. Yeah, if you keep stepping up to the podium and delivering speeches, we're going to stop attending. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so you, okay. you've, you've lost your ability to leverage that social capital, even if you're still like a trusted member of the table. It's just not worth as much anymore. That makes sense to me now. Thank you for clarifying. Yeah. Yeah, and with all this, I think we've done a good job of talking about how table talk is used in Root. Uh, But I think Nev's got a good point about pointing out what it is not. He says, for the most part, players can figure out the value of your argument based on the board state. They can know the most likely outcome. So try and convince people of something that's untrue is almost never effective. More effective then is convincing people where to make their investments that will compound two or more turns from now. This, of course, is extremely difficult to argue convincingly because it's impossible to know the board state that far ahead. But I think Nev does a a good job of focusing on what your future could be instead of a bunch of, like, lies. Well, lies especially. Like, that, okay, so to me, that's the largest expenditure of cap of yeah, exactly. social capital is you're you're taking all your money and flushing it down the toilet because when they <laughs> yeah, catch you sure. in a lie you're they will never trust you again right and like that's why it's so much better to tell the truth and give as many factual statements as you can that are still beneficial to you as opposed to trying to convince them of something that can't possibly be true because then they won't respect you and they won't listen to you as any sense of authority right which is why the ultimate lie of I don't have it on my turn is always something that no one should believe because you should, there's no reason to not spend the rest of your capital on the lie that could win you the game. Yes, that is when, that's when you spend the capital is the end is when you're like, okay, I can do it. Now I have to lie through my teeth. 
but it yeah, doesn't I can flush all the capital i've got 30 <laughs> victory points baby the capital is not good at the end of the game it is not a tiebreaker it, exactly yeah there's no point it's a you perishable just, item it, you can't take it with you guys yeah. like you might as well lie at the end of the game yes and everyone knows you're gonna do it yeah so no one should believe it either mm-hmm so that's Fantastic. just how it goes. It's funny. I, I want to like I want to encourage people to be nice, to be truthful, to be cooperative up until the very end where they should all murder each other. <laughs> <laughs> just a slow unraveling. I feel yeah. like that's a good root game right there. Uh, last bit of Nev's quote here. He says, what you're really trying to achieve isn't some elaborate deception where you've controlled the table's decision making, but rather to direct their attention to the point that they keep each other entertained while you have space to do as you see fit. <laughs> which I think is, uh, went back to what C. Coyote says and what we're going to talk about next, which is kind of rephrasing the board state. There is a lot to pay attention to in Root, so there is something else other than you that they can pay attention to. Yeah, when you shine a spotlight on one part of the board, there's another part of the board that remains in shadow. <laughs> Nev sounds like the master manipulator with the phrase direct their attention to the point that they keep each other entertained <laughs> yeah. while you have yeah. space to do as you see fit there, there's something very like uh, I don't know like like a Roman emperor about yeah, that I yeah. can't quite put my finger on let it let the peasants <laughs> quarrel amongst themselves while we form the capital I remember uh, Nev had a strategy I think it was for the crows in a tournament setting um, that was similar to extortion otters where he, he was like the only thing to do when this is the faction setup. he's like the crows are never going to win so what you do is you put all your crows on the most valuable point in another player's <laughs> like infrastructure and go get out get out this is my only play get out of here now surrender this clearing to me and it was because I remember I watched a VOD of him doing it where he goes, hey, are we trying to like play like it's a tournament? And everyone's like, yeah, 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 as competitive as we can do it. And he goes, okay, well, then this is what I'm going to do. And then he had this like crazy extortion play. I don't know if it ended up working out, but um, just just to give you some insight into the mind. Of oh, Neb. my God. Fantastic. <laughs> All that. right. L let's talk about deflecting the heat. Now that we may have accrued some heat from scoring too many points, we're going to try to rephrase the board state. No, no, I'm not clearly winning the game. <laughs> Look at it this way, right? This is what happens in many mid-games of Root. A hundred percent. First of all, I just want to clarify, like, is this even valuable to do? Should you trust that your opponents have, like, a perfectly objective view of the board state and should be able to conclude, based on the information available, that you're clearly winning and that whatever you say, it's just a straight-up lie and that they should go after you no matter what? No. No, 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 no. But you should assume that they're only working for their best intentions, even if what they say is true. And you should always look for those things, because if they're valid, then go for it. But they're always speaking for themselves. I trust none of you in the game of Root. Yeah. <laughs> Once the magic circle is formed, you are the enemy. Yeah. Yeah, there's always some room to advocate for somebody else to be the villain. <laughs> yeah. And it's good. Yeah. I think like taking the lead can be a scary thing to happen in the middle of a game of Root. Yeah. And it's going to you're going to feel that uh, spotlight of, you know, aggression coming at your stuff. If you take the lead, um, when that happens, Sam, what's a good strategy to take the temperature down a notch? Um, one of the things that Nitro Rev uh, kind of 
pointed out, I called it crafting isn't your engine. He says, as threatening as crafting the big ticket items like tea or coins is, you can often attribute your points lead to the items you've crafted as opposed to the points you've gained by building your engine. He's In quotes, he says, I know I'm up by four points, but that's only because I crafted both coins. If it weren't for them, I'd be behind. I still only have two sawmills. Right? Being able to be like, oh, I'm not as far ahead as it might look because I've already done the damage. Right? I've crafted both coins. I can't craft coins again. Like, this is, I'm going to plateau. Right? Yeah. I'm not that rich. I only have two Swiss bank accounts. <laughs> I'm just the only person who got to craft coins this game. So my now- stocks aren't worth that much. <laughs> oh, they're totally going to plateau. <laughs> But it's kind of like the, the the hidden information in Root is the crafting. And if you've already expelled your hidden information, I do feel like it's a good argument to be like, look, I'm not as strong on the board as I am in the on the points. If they're ahead of you, Sam, do you take the do you lower your assessment of their heat? I think it depends if I, I, I when he used the example of cats, I feel like I'm always not considering cats the biggest threat at the table despite their points lead. Well, especially because they can't craft much. Right, the, right. Yeah. Because, it. I mean, I've seen it before. Like, it is potentially a flash in the pan where somebody can craft mm-hmm. a lot, sure, and if they sure. don't have a good engine, then they don't close out the game, sure. you know? And it can appear that someone is winning when they're really not. I mean, the cats is the best example of that. So even getting players to take a step back from their, like, bop the leader instinct and say you know what that's actually a good point let's take a look around to see who's got like a really good engine online but hasn't scored all the points yet that already is a win <laughs> if you're trying to deflect uh, yeah team. i suppose like and i get the i get the argument of the engine i just i just love the idea of someone being in the lead and being like but the way i got here was less and <laughs> like, well, okay whereas opposed to this next item which i think is the best way to deflect heat and the way i commonly take even when i'm in the lead or mm-hmm. when i'm not in the lead is still Look at them. Look at them. Look at them. <laughs> what this are they going to do next turn? They're going to destroy is, me. Yeah, this is the half of the mid game of Rude is like, me? Look yeah. at them. <laughs> I feel like I get so. Um, I feel like I get this look on my face when someone comes after me in the mid game, and I was just like, me? <laughs> like, why are you coming after me? Like, do you see what they're about to do? Uh, Nev says here is outline how the other's position will be stronger than your own is right now. Work to minimize their perception of where the line of sufficiently policed actually is because it's easy for people to go overboard. Yeah, this is true. This is the gray area of Rude is like you're trying to keep in your head what everyone's kind of potential is and how much they've been bopped, which is we'll get into it in a little bit. The... (laughs) Well, my game's over after somebody <laughs> has been bopped, right? They want it to seem like the bop was insurmountable to come back from because they don't want to be hit again. <laughs> and yeah. so similarly, you have to do that to other people. You might not, if, if you don't throw up your hands, you have to say, well, look at them. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the perception of where the line of sufficiently bopped is or sufficiently policed i think i'm basically trying to sell the fact that if somebody comes after you that that did it like you've knocked my engine off Mm -hmm. its course that was enough to do it 
just trying to put that message out there. Just like, oh, well, I mean, you destroyed my building. Like, uh, I, I don't know if I'm going to come back from this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, that might Kyle, be it. you're kind of the king of this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, if there's anyone who's going to cry wolf about their game being over, it's 100% me. <laughs> I've I've been known to do it on turn one. Yeah, before yeah. even I've had a turn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nev finishes out here that uh, the other players have eyes. They know that they need to police you, but you want them to be hyper aware of how tenuous the gap between yourself and second place is, and how easily someone will be filling your spot at the top. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Look at them. Hey, you know that I need to be hit. I agree. You know. Um. But. <laughs> Think about what you're what you're not hitting in the Are you going to waste your time doing that when so-and-so is about to do this? Well, and that's a good point, too, that we, we, we haven't said it outright. But the thing about deflecting heat is sometimes you have to acknowledge that the heat is there and name it and say that, yeah, I probably should get bopped. You earn some social credit by being honest, I think. Yeah. To your detriment. I'm, I'm skipping around here, but Germ Curry has a quote on this. I, I had it in the cutting through the BS Uh, part of the guide here but germ curry says i like to start out my pleas with i'm not saying you shouldn't hit me because you probably should but keep in mind that faction x can do blah 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 (laughs) and i think that's really good you i feel like that's a way to save a lot of your social capital of like you're very smart i should be hit i get it but it's not that simple right it's kind of yeah 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 yeah. right i i will say just to flip it around if you try to just totally avoid the bop and just say like, no, I don't need to be bopped. Like you don't, you don't have to come after me. If you just try and like, right. Uh, totally deny. I feel like a, you're spending that social capital in a totally futile way. They're going to way too early. And two, I feel like that triggers this weird, like prey drive thing. And your opponents at the table are just like, Oh, we're coming after you (laughs) extra hard. Yeah. You're trying to tell us that you're not winning the game right now. Like no way. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so yeah, you you want to be honest about it and say like, yeah, yeah, like you're coming after me, like that makes sense. We get it, we get it. Like let's not lose sight. Uh, second place is coming right up after me, so you know before you like go all in on stopping this faction and end my game, like just uh, you know maybe you want to hang on to some forces. Like you know what's it going to look like after you totally wipe me from the board? Like who's going to be doing well in that board state? Uh, I also saw a lot of people uh, comment uh, on these questions I asked this week on the Discord about Root being too cooperative for a competitive game. <laughs> uh, several people were kind of maligning this. Kyle, in your winter tournament game, you had a fun quote at the end where you said, you guys, we don't need to teach our opponents how to win or something like that <laughs> yeah we, we don't have to tell our opponents how they can win yeah i yeah this has become kind of a whole thing i think garrick now in the you know moment before the stream goes online tells everyone at the table he's like guys you don't have to help your opponents win like this right. this is a tournament like it's okay to it's okay to compete, everyone. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about Root. Maybe it's just the nice people. I mean, we'll see when the Nintendo Switch kids roll in. But Ooh. right now, it's full of a lot of nice people. Um, but it does go a little too far sometimes. I got a, a quote here from Prestane. I'm sad to hear him say this. He says, I've taken a dramatic step back from playing Root via, via Tabletop Simulator because of Table Talk. 
He says, I know I was likely, it was likely bad luck, but I played with a string of different people who wouldn't table talk as much as they would audibly script out the ideal plays for every faction and players on their turn. Ooh. Yeah, I know. I mean, that's just like, it's just bad etiquette. Um, And I've kind of uh, put this under the title of know when to shut up. Uh, yeah, you're gonna well, be I actually mean, spending so much social capital that you're not gonna be invited back to the table next right. time. Right? If you're learning route, that's actually a great time to like be very open about what sure. everyone's kind of strategies are and like play mm-hmm. open-handed from a game plan kind of perspective. Mm-hmm. But if you're in a like competitive environment, like it's okay to let your opponents figure it out. Yeah. Also, you want to leave some space for your opponents to you know, get mired in whatever their kind of like myopic vision of the board yeah. is and do something that they think is good for them, but actually kind of helps you as well. Right. Like if you're, yeah, you need to leave room for your opponents to play their game. I also suspect some of this is like a result of quarantine and people like not talking to each other for a long time. And like suddenly <laughs> they're on discord and they're like, listen, I've been, I've been learning a lot about root. I'm going to tell you guys I have, I ought to do everything. Uh, and so, <laughs> like, I think, I think everybody just needs to remember like, Hey, you're here to make friends too. Like outside yeah. the magic circle, you want to make friends. Inside the magic circle, murder. But uh, <laughs> outside, you want to make friends. So try and uh, try and just be aware of how much uh, how much of the space you're filling. Yeah, Botbot yeah. uh, Bot had a similar quote. I didn't write it down, but he w- expressed also that people would uh, one of the unacceptable behaviors he thinks is when people tell him what to do on his turn. And in that quote, he said, like, do you know who I am? Kind of a thing. Because <laughs> it's true. It's like, you know. I am a warlord. Like. <laughs> especially when we're playing in the tournament. Like, everyone's played enough root here. Like, we don't need to tell each other how to play on the turns. And, and Kyle, you said it's good for a learning game. And it is to a certain extent. Because also you want those people to learn by making mistakes. You know? Um, obviously, a tournament is shouldn't be a place where that's happening. No, in a but. tournament, you're not there to make friends, although make friends. But right, right. Be cool. <laughs> be cool. Yeah, be cool. Be cool. Be cool. Um, but I do think that kind of goes back to what we said earlier. Like, if you're casting yourself in this like authority mm-hmm. type of you know position at the table, uh, that comes with some heat. Yeah, and also it's just kind of a faux pas. So, <laughs> right. Yeah, there's one thing to be like I'm the experienced player, and then like I'm going to play everybody's turns. You yeah, because no, yeah. like yeah, <laughs> yeah, you are already behind, kind of in social capital. Now, now you're dead in the water. And for those of you that are finding those kind of people, then it's good to start to find a regular group if you can of people that you do trust and you can uh, yeah. play play with. Yeah. Prestain finishes out here. I love coordinating turmoil attacks and territorial arrangements and that type of talk at the table. I dislike optimal turn quarterbacking. Yeah. He says yeah. in his random uh, looking for gameplays, it seems to be a coin flip on which he'll get stuck with. Well, and that's just part of playing with strangers, right? Yeah. Um, but also, uh, <laughs> you can tell them, like, yeah, it may look optimal to you, but you don't know what's in my hand or you don't know what else is going to happen. Or, like, you can yeah. just politely shut them down. Or just shut them down on the table. Ooh, That's fun. nice. Oh, what if I did something really unoptimal like take you out of the game? <laughs> take it to the mat. Ooh. <laughs> then yes. you're going to hear a lot more of them talking. <laughs> That's true. That's the problem. <laughs> then they won't yeah. shut up. <laughs> you really shouldn't have done that. Oh, let me tell you why this was suboptimal from a very different position. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk about the desperate tactic to deflect yeah. heat. 
yeah, this yeah. is the well my game is over yeah. right you're gonna want to try this as early as possible i'm just kidding <laughs> 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 I, I wrote that this quote was from every root player ever. Kyle, I think you said that this is you on turn one of most root games. That is correct. Yeah. 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 It's well, it's kind of a meme now at, at our games. So yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I've been doing it for fun. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's it's the kind of thing, too, where like people expect that you are a threat and they decide to invest some time early in the game coming after you. That can end your game. Very legitimately. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> most of the time, that's not what's happening. Yeah. Whenever, whenever I hear this phrase, I I see your nose grow a little longer, <laughs> even over Discord. <laughs> like, I think I think it's the I don't like I don't like this sentence. While my game is over, it really Sam usually says it in a much more convincing way to me that I believe, which is that, yeah, but my engine can't keep up. Like mm-hmm. he he did that with a few time with Badgers. He's like, yeah, I know I'm scoring points, but I can't keep doing it. Look where I'm at. I have no way of getting anything. And I think that's the better option is like you're telling the people that, yeah, I'm still in the game with you all. And I know I look like I'm in a position of strength, but my momentum has been killed. Well, that's that only works if that's true, though. If Well, but it, it's better. You probably your momentum has been stopped in some way to the point to where you were about to say, well, my game is over. I'm saying you should say it this way because your game Everybody knows it's not over, and it feels like then you're spending some of that social credit in what feels like a semi-obvious lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent, or just a fully obvious lie. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, C. Coyote says, "I think we've all, or at least I know I have, been th- known to say something like, well, that's my game' after particularly <laughs> brutish policing." Uh, there's nothing wrong with it. The trick is to pick yourself up and keep playing. I can't agree more. In uh, his experience, most players do just kind of pick themselves back up. Those who don't tend to either pass or try to spoil the police. Just keep those players' names in mind and skip them, skip past them in the future. Spoil the Police is another great Judas Priest album. But <laughs> Spoil the police! <laughs> Give them everything they want! Uh... <laughs> It's, I, I like how you, I guess, hey viewer or hey listener, make sure not to use these phrases like a Dennis the Menace catchphrase that Sam's been quoting them in, which is like, well, my game is over. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's my game. <laughs> uh, your social credit will plummet. Yeah, I love, I love doing everybody's voices. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but this is a desperate tactic, right? Like this is pretty... This is pretty like if you're backed up against a wall and I mean, I feel like this is a claim of like it's hopeless. Um, it almost never is. It's root. Anything can happen. This is during the murder times of the end game, right? Yeah. This yeah. is just a way to deflect mm-hmm. basically. Right. And this is one of the more flimsy ways to do it. I think there's more kind of positive or like productive ways to deflect. But this when it gets right down to it, sometimes you have to make everyone understand how dire your position is. I think there's something to think about of also the timing of this, because if it's happening in the end game, there's a couple things that happen in the end game, which is that namely everybody starts getting really anxious. So it's hard for people to focus because they're really trying to see how the puzzle fits together of what they can do to win. So sometimes saying something ludicrous, but quick and dismissive, they'll have to go for it because they're, they're not spending their listening time on you right now. They're spending their brain power figuring out the puzzle. 
Yeah, so, they're listening capital. Yeah, yeah, they're listening yeah. capital. <laughs> so yeah. this can work then. Yeah, we said there were no resources in Root, but there's meta resources. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I want to talk a little bit about being a hostage negotiator. I think this is the only time, like, the, like Nev points out, like the times in the game where you want to try to spend the social capital, and we've said this whole time, it's like impossible to do to get someone to do something that they don't want to do. That would be bad for them, right? Like that's not what we're talking about here. But there is, I see uh, Coyote sent me a clip of him in a uh, tournament uh, from a private server. Um, but it was just a clip that he was really proud of his table talk and it was fantastic. He convinced this player not to ambush him. Like the player reveals the ambush and he's like, hold on before you do that. Think about that because now I can't hit the otters. And it was like all, everything he said made sense. Yep. It wasn't a lie. And it yep. was in the otters players best interest. The otters were last place and he was crows in third place. So he was like, why are we going after each other right now? You're going to want to save this ambush for somebody else. Perfect. And it was like so calm and so good. Uh, hopefully. Uh, Did he call you know, the other player bro? <laughs> bro? Bro. Bro. Listen. Before you play you that ambush. I don't want to do this. I, yeah. But this is, what, this is what we were saying at the top is like be honest, be truthful. And that's going to be convincing because it is convincing because <laughs> it's the facts. Right. You also, yeah, you need the truth on your side. You really do. Of, yeah. You really do. Uh, but even even when you have the truth on your side, doesn't mean anyone's going to listen to you, which yeah. is why it's so important to spend these moments very carefully. Yeah. And if you do have to get in with surgical precision, think about being a hostage negotiator and how careful you need to choose your words and how you need to lay out the situation very logically so that everyone feels that you have their best interest at heart. Also, if they end up not going for it and still ruining you, like don't lose your cool at them because... They could just keep being irrational later, <laughs> but they <laughs> might realize they might realize that you were right on the next turn when somebody else does something big and they could have stopped it. Right. So then your social credit will skyrocket. Granted, you're from a bad position, but at least, you know, you don't have to flame them or at least uh, disregard them as as not useful because they might learn that lesson after the fact. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah. Sometimes you do have to, like, let it go and let the game proceed. Yes. Uh, and this is going to tie right into our our kind of uh, other last ditch tactic here of table talk, which um, I find personally like a little bit distasteful. But we should mention it because I've seen it so much, Ugh. Uh, and I it just it really bears mentioning mostly, um, even though I don't advocate it. Uh, this is a tactic I call somewhat derisively overwhining. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I'm calling this a dark art. I'm not sure that it's always used in that kind of way, but I think it is very much a dark art. Basically, the the idea here is that if someone's coming after you, you make it um, very time intensive and very like uh, language expensive for them to do so. Like you're gonna spend a long time like trying to dissuade them, even if they're like doing a very simple like I'm coming for you. <laughs> um, it, when it's clear that it's not going to work and you keep going anyway and and make it time consuming to come after you sometimes that can dissuade other players from trying it um just because they want the game to end and life to move on or whatever wait a minute so you're wearing them down yeah it's it's social attrition 
Oh my god. It's social attrition. This is This reminds me of uh what soccer players do to a referee. This is a war crime. All right. There's not a lot of like <laughs> there's not a lot of rules in soccer about like, you know, you can't touch the referee or whatever, but people yell at the referee all the time. Like I feel like in the NFL they have to like not do that. But in soccer they they yell at the referee all the time. And the referee's not going to change their mind on the decision they made, but yet they're still yelling at the referee. Yeah. And that's because yeah. over time, you know, you just be like, ref, you're screwing us. Ref, you're screwing us after each call that then, like, eventually, when something's kind of 50 50, they're like, whatever, give them a bone. You know what I mean? <laughs> and that's a bone you didn't have. Yes, you have to look like an ass to get it, but it, it can work. Yeah, and so it, it can be somewhat effective. I do think this kind of ruins your credibility completely. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also just, like, not very fun to be a party to, you this know? This feels like yeah. a payday loan of social credit, where you're going to get some <laughs> right away or something, but then you're just going to be paying for it the rest of the time because people are just yeah. going to be so annoyed with you. 275% interest. Oof, yeah, geez. 275 extra minutes of root. I'm really, game I'm really has... tempted to go on a long monologue about why we shouldn't include this in the pod, but then I realize I'm just going to be overwhining about it and then proving <laughs> your point. <laughs> That's the thing is that say, uh, so Jake, you mentioned earlier about uh, being kind of to the point, being concise uh, as a, a beneficial thing during table talk. And this is like everything that is not that. Right. Um, and yeah, I can I can see why you find it distasteful as well. Also, I also well, OK, so within the magic circle, right, we, we agree that we're all enemies and we're all fighting. But like there's still in there a little bit of decorum. And I think this kind totally. of breaks it. it. So I'd say I'll endorse this as an idea. If you are not annoying people in real life, like it, you might be wearing <laughs> them down a little bit, but like it's not water torture. Like, we're, now, hold on. Hold on, Jake. OK, you're like lying. Totally cool. We got to do whatever we got to do to win. But then you're like, but don't whine too much. Well, I'd say in a game of Root, I would expect to be lied to. I wouldn't expect to be whined at the whole time. <laughs> I guess that's not what I would sign up for. I, I, if I sit down at a table, I'm expecting you to deceive me. I'm not expecting you to annoy me. Mm. <laughs> mm, well, I came with a different goal. Are we playing right after the pod? <laughs> not, not anymore. <laughs> Jake reveals his weakness on the pod. <laughs> now um, during my tournament game, people are just gonna oh, be definitely. overwhining me the whole time. <laughs> you better hope you play before this one airs. All right, um, cool. Let's start cutting through some of the BS. Yeah. So we've just talked about the most BS. Let's. Let's cut to the chase. Let's get yeah. to the bottom of this thing. Let's get to brass tacks. Let's talk about listening. Let's talk about listening. <laughs> Listen, it's, it, this is an episode about table talk, but just as important, I'd actually say more important, is listening. And when you aren't involved in a conversation and two people are talking, it's easy to get distracted with your own, like, okay, what am I going to do on my turn? Which is fine, and you probably should do that. But pay attention, because you're going to learn a lot if you really listen. And... You can also learn to just cut through the BS by hearing what is meat and what is potatoes. And you don't need mm-hmm. potatoes. That's that's uh, that's not good for your diet. Yeah. Cut down on the potatoes. Get right to the meat. 
Yeah, it's good. Yeah, so Jake, when you're playing a game, like, what are you listening for that you feel like is meat, and what are you hearing that you're like, that's potatoes? Well, frequently people mention strategies that I hadn't seen to other players. They're like, well, you could do this to do this, and I was like, oh, yeah, I need to watch out for that. Holy crap! <laughs> and I wasn't involved in that conversation, you know. Right. Um, I've, and frequently, I've also when people are talking about me as a threat and not addressing me, I'm definitely going to listen because then they'll say something like, well, he's going to march up to that rabbit clearing next turn. And I was like, Oh, I didn't even think I should do that. That's true. It does have an extra building slot and it is more valuable to me right now. So I'm, I'm looking for help, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's, that's the best part. The next part I'm looking for is like what their goal is. Like, what are they trying to do? Mm-hmm. Th- those are my, th- my top two things. I think. Yeah. Just like reading between the lines yeah. of like, yeah, they're trying to rephrase the board state and mm-hmm. why. I mean, obviously it's to make sure that they get away with the best deal possible, but listening to the details of the deal and seeing what's being left out. What's yeah, what be- are they not saying? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also like is what they're doing truly the best for them? I'm also that's what I spend a little too much brain power on, I think during a game is assessing their strategy and being like, "Oh, well, how would they go this about this? And then I get distracted by that as opposed to just mm-hmm. figuring out what can they do and what will they do and moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can go too far trying to put on somebody else's glasses. Yeah, but there you go. I really like this this little soundbite here. If they're not in the running, they're at the polls. Yeah. I Sam, I want to hear from you. What, what does that mean? And why is that important in a game of Root? I think it means that people have to talk to make up for their points. Like, they're not scoring well, so they're going to have to be at the polls trying to convince people to swing the direction of the game in a different way. Mm. I I was also kind of thinking, too, that, like, if you're a points leader, that puts you in the running. And it means that everybody else gets to vote on your destiny as the points leader. That's true. Uh, By, you know, coming after you, basically. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Who they choose not to attack is like a vote for. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's it's the the factions that are losing determine whose head we chop off. I mean, and every time we talk about table talk, I'm going to recommend watching the television game show sensation Survivor. Because it is just metagame, the TV show, where (laughs) people are just deciding who loses that week. And then at the end, all the people that lost decide who wins. <laughs> so part of Survivor 2 is that you want to vote off the strongest people so they're not competitive with you later on. Right. But then there are team-oriented things where you don't want to necessarily keep the weakest people around either because you might depend upon them. Right. Correct. That is and insane. it's like you're pretty incentivized to vote off people who are a part of like a good coalition or a good team. Uh, but that's hard because they have a lot of votes. So you may oh, have to man. do something sneaky. But if you do something too sneaky, then they are totally like anti you at the end of the game. And so you might be less likely to win. So it's like you can't go too far. I think I'd get voted off the first week. Oh, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Jake, you silver tongue devil. You wouldn't get voted off the first week. Yeah, I no. Think, You'd I probably I make it to the merge. Because I do, I'd pull the silver tongue devil thing on the first event. I guess then I'd get immunity, huh? Well, if your team wins immunity, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I got a chance. Yeah. I'll sign up. Hold on. But uh, another lesson that you learn in when watching Survivor is the person who's on the bottom has a lot of power mm-hmm. because that person needs help. And so if you're in first place and can offer fourth place a better shot at winning, 
that's a good situation because you yeah. probably don't have a lot of teammates yeah, at that's, the table. That's a social capital like great spot to be is right. losing significantly or being willing to help that loser. Exactly. What a loser. Yeah. What a loser. <laughs> so Nev's got some quick rules of thumb about cutting through the BS here. We've got no one's convinced by a blatant lie, but they will consider the lies they want to hear. <sighs> that's so okay. good. Yeah. That's I could so think good. about that for a while. <laughs> it's well, the, we've already talked about blatant lies, and I think we are right. we made our point about why that's that's crappy. All right, but like we've already made our point about why that doesn't work. But the lies they want to hear, ooh, yeah. everybody wants to be reinforced that a thing is possible, and I love it because there's also this element of the game that this chance when we come down to combat dice. So convincing them that like yeah going and taking that chance is worth it well that's a that's a lie they want to hear so take advantage of every uncertainty and convince them that that's a possibility Mm -hmm. love that another rule of thumb here is you can't make them believe you but you can keep them unfocused and this is the most corvid conspiracy idea (laughs) i've ever heard is like just like Every time they start to get on your tail, like you just have to point out the other things. Mm. Like there's always another fish to fry. Yeah. I mean, Root is a game of too many things going on at the same time. Mm-hmm. And uh, just trying to like lean into that maelstrom can can help to keep the heat off for sure. Uh, the other thing about that, too, is when you're in the lead and people are banding together to take you down three against one the three are almost always going to succeed. Yep. So in that kind of situation, keeping them unfocused basically means like preventing them from teaming up well. Exactly. Like if they're going to take a bunch of time to like organize an attack on you, like you want to try and keep pointing out the like fracture points in their alliance. Like, okay, well if like, you know, but they're going to get way ahead. Like, oh, they're just building up a bunch of guys. Like who's that coming for? You know, (laughs) this is this. And, and you don't, like we've said, like you don't have to make stuff up. There's three going against one. If you're the one, you just have to figure out who's on top of the three and convince the other two players to see the board your way. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they don't want to prop up the person who's going to win the game. Yeah, well, seeing the board your way is that leader not winning. So that's a lie they want to hear. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yep, yep. All right. We're all getting to the same place here. (laughs) Here's another rule of thumb. No one believes you don't have it on your turn. Yeah, that's just... You can say it. It just doesn't mean anything. Just like... It's sometimes nice to hear. It's almost like... um, Just like one of those phrases that you hear out and about. Like Sure. Just like, helps good you morning. Remember. Yeah, it helps you feel like you're in a game of Root right now. <laughs> well, uh, I, I mean, I think, like, just saying, like, I don't have it on my turn, like, just save your breath. Like, we don't need it. Like, <laughs> I'm never going to believe it if if I can calculate. You can, if you can show me mathematically that you can't do it. And, like, I mean, like, what are the available crafted items? Like, if there's no scenario, even with a magic Christmas land of what's in your hand that you can't win on your turn, I'll hear you out. Yeah. But usually it's just kind of set in a huff and then then they end up having the coins, you know, or right, whatever it right. is. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, always. It's almost like one of those things where, like you should be attuned. If somebody is saying that out loud, they have it. Right, right. <laughs> right? That's like the rule with them. They have it. Yeah, they have it if they say they don't have it. That's just the rule. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Uh, another rule of thumb that I like here is that people will always police whatever's cheap and profitable first. Yes. And when they say cheap, I think that mostly means in terms of actions in the action economy. Yeah, and warriors. Like, yeah. If they're already going towards a clearing and there's somebody there they can bop, they're just going to bop them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on the way. Oh, if you make it profitable, that's unquestionably convincing, right? Yeah. Okay. So here, here's a good example. Clearing with one warrior and two cardboard person in third place, belonging to the person in third place. Clearing with three warriors and one piece of cardboard belonging to the person in first place. <laughs> yeah, and there might be some decision, but most of the time you're going to go, you know, that water's going to flow downhill. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, go straight for that cardboard, right? Right. Yeah. You have to make a very conscious decision to do the other one, right? Yeah. yeah. And I feel like those two things are pretty close, right? Right. It's just like one's going to get you like one more point and be a little easier. And yeah. so you're probably going to go there. Yeah, short of like sending the moles into price of failure or something like that, I think mm-hmm. you're right. If the if it's just between one and two points and not losing as many warriors, maybe not having to battle twice. You got to expect that everyone's looking out for themselves. They want to yeah. do whatever's cheap and profitable first. And so, when you are kind of arranging your kind of board presence, keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. Sometimes having an extra meeple is all that it takes to keep a player who's just playing for cheap and profitable totally off your back. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes looking scary is all, is all you need. Nev closes out here by saying, don't interrupt your enemies when they're making a mistake. <laughs> this is kind of what you were saying in the tournament game, Kyle. It's like, yeah, like let them do their thing over there. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've been in games of root where I'm like, whew, I am glad that is happening. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was 100%. coming after me or something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Totally. This happened to me in a uh, Twilight Imperium game, that, that in-person one, where the person who was going to probably win, and I would have scored next to win, uh, their home system got invaded, and I wasn't sure why, but I was happy to see it. And so <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, this, is, uh, this, this action, which I did not see coming, is giving me the win, so I'm just going to be quiet and encourage yep. it to happen. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, lastly, Nev uh, kind of closes out the s- cutting through the BS portion by saying, you wouldn't be threatening me if you actually have the ability to follow through. You would oh, just you mean in terms of it. like making a threat exactly. to come after you? When yeah. it's like, I'm, I'm going to do this if you do that. It's like you wouldn't be saying you're going to do that. You would just do it, right? This is a way to cut through the BS of of people's empty threats. It's okay to tell me who needs policing. Telling me how to spend my turn gets you muted, he says. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Uh, yeah, you don't want to blow your social credit just being like... Yeah, yeah. right. For what? For actually helping other people out at best? Like, best case scenario is you're right, and you're actually telling (laughs) your opponent the most optimal move? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um. Uh, there are a few arguments less convincing than finishing a turn where you did nothing but greedy plays and smugly tell the table that someone else needs to go police the threat that you've all been discussing. Oof. If you're going for a grift, you may as well be honest about it. This is <laughs> yeah. this is me. I We all talk about the threat at the table. I score as many points as I can on my turn and then go back to telling everybody who the threat is. <laughs> this, is this is you. This is you. <laughs> 
Yeah, you are a not a good faith member of the United Nations of this woodland <laughs> at <Yeah>. all. <laughs> yeah, I like to play factions that don't do a lot of policing so that this is true, right? We always say, like, we want our manipulation to be rooted in the truth. And when you're lizards, a lot of times you can't do a lot yeah. of policing, yeah. you know? So. Yeah, I felt like you've done that a lot. We've always looked to you. You're like, well, I'm lizards, so... <laughs> this is where I live. <laughs> this might actually kind of, this might tie back to um, C. Coyote's point about the the game being like a narrative in some way. Yeah. Because if everyone at the table is talking like, oh, there's this threat, like we should totally deal with it. Like they've become the one to stop. And then a player just like totally ignores the narrative of the game and does their own thing and is totally greedy and ignores it. Uh. I feel like that's a little bit of a like transgression in a way, right? You know, you you like totally taken the story of the game and gone a just totally a different direction. And then trying to be oh, somebody like we totally have to deal with them. Like absolutely trying to be like back on board with the narrative of the game after that yeah. feels so false. That, like yeah. there's a lot of um, people get mad. You've spent social credit on not doing anything. You know, inaction <laughs> sometimes will cost you. Yeah, it's good, actually. That should come with heat, right? Right, yep. If you made it free to be greedy, then, like, someone's just going to straight up win the game. So yep. it's good that that comes with heat, I think. Uh, so I've labeled the next section here, the tangled mess of an endgame. Because I had one concept in Table Talk that I've been, I was kind of experimenting with all day, which is the idea of propping up someone else to be the point leader to deflect heat from yourself onto them. Mm. And this is a really difficult strategy for me to think about. Cause I almost never want to help out the person who has the most points. Like even if it's cats and I don't think that they're leading, I still don't like help out factions that have more points than me. Right. Right. Ooh. Yeah. This is a real risky. And so it is, it is risky. Um, but I do want to point, I, I want to turn our attention back to that game one of the winter tournament where Sporadic Zoom's playing the Lizards. He puts four gardens down in four different rabbit clearings with help from the uh, Lost City on the mountain map with the tournament. Doesn't check the crows who have enough points to flip and win. There are, there's one player between him and crows. That's the no, no, there's two players between him and Crows, the Cats and the Badgers, okay? So Sporadic Zoom makes the gambit of he plays dominance with a clear person who's going to win before him. <laughs> so they have to check the Crows, and then the Crows have to check the Lizards in order for Cats or Badgers to have a shot. Uh, that's so good. And it was this brilliant play again cut to three hours and 18 minutes into this game <laughs> to see this go down but it's very good and sporadic goes <laughs> bot bot called it the sermon on the mountain because it was the mountain <laughs> map and he was like in the lost city and sporadic like lays this whole plan out but it is kind of exactly what we just talked about that's mean to do which is like kind of kick the can but mm -hmm. it's it was a very strategic kick the can during like, the murder times, like it makes right. sense too. Yeah, especially this is the how tangled it, yeah, mess of the yeah. end game. Yep. This like, was the this text is... I got from Kyle, which was there's a rabbit dominance in play. Yeah. And yeah. at first I was like, oh, someone like didn't have a shot otherwise, and that's kind of true. But 
honestly, this was the best dominance play yeah. I've ever seen. Was and a- it was in a tournament. It was so cool. The first game, the, too. <laughs> yeah, the first game. And people basically were kind of in this table talk scenario where we are either... You either thread the needle very carefully or we are king making either the Crows winning their first tournament game or the first tournament game being decided on dominance. So a very unique situation, a very interesting game to check out um, and a great example of propping up a point leader or really just like not doing anything about the point leader and having this alternate vi- victory condition. It is a bit of fancy can kicking in a way, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you leave two factions with one job. Stop the Corvids from winning. Right. If they do that, then it's the Corvids' job to stop the Lizards from winning. Right. And then they have a job, right? And they had rabbit partisans, the Crows did. So it made the <laughs> argument really, really interesting. Like, can the Crows do it on their turn? You know, it was very interesting. And, it, you know, it being the end game, I feel like I feel like can kicking is the most appropriate in the end game. Because mm-hmm. you got to yes. take your shot, you know? you yeah. got to try and win. And this is the time to take your big risk and, and do the thing. And, uh, and, you know, try and spike it. Um, if it happens earlier in the game, that's when I feel like it comes with a big social drag yeah. on it. But here in the end game, like, people are going to shoot their shot and it can lead to some crazy situations like this one. One of the things that Sporadic does in his Sermon on the Mountain is convince the Cats player to basically do nothing. Yeah. He convinces the Cats player to, like, build... And set themselves up for a win next turn. If the Badgers can hit the Crows and if the Crows can hit the Lizards, then the Cats will win. <laughs> so he convinces the Cats player that the best thing that they can do is that. Now, spoiler alert, Spratic does not win this game. They weren't able to do enough to, to stop the Crows. Maybe if the Cats had done one of the plots, then the whole situation could have been different. But maybe that's the space they needed to stop the lizard's dominance as well and then he mm. would have given it to the cats so right it's vi- it was just a very interesting end game that could have gone a lot of ways and i think sporadic had some of the most interesting table talk i've seen in a competitive game yeah it was pretty cool it was pretty cool i could not look away it was a, a totally fascinating end game yeah all right kyle let's get into your ned stark memorial rules of multipolar (laughs) conflict yes that's right um look out for my thesis coming later this year um i'm i have so much debt uh and not social debt i'm talking real like (laughs) college tuition debt it's bad okay here we go game school is not a real establishment i've been trying to tell you that's just a warehouse and it's jake wearing a mustache (laughs) (laughs) that's just a big meeple wait a second (laughs) all right Here's what I have to say. Um, I think the the thing with the root community is I love how nice and honorable everybody is. Mm-hmm. I think that is a beautiful part of being in the root community is playing with people who are extremely nice and fun and cool. That being said, <laughs> honor will win you admiration, but it will not win you the game. <laughs> if you are sacrificing your position a little bit, to help somebody out, I'm here to tell you that makes a lot of sense in the real world where we do things like resolve comp- conflict through compromise uh, and where we have to do things like maintain our reputation through predictable, honest interactions. However, inside a war game, inside the magic circle, we have the chance to scheme, to shade, to subvert, surprise, and to just tell straight up lies. And you should do that. 
Because if you are too honest, if you're too, like, noble, uh, other players will win before you. <laughs> um, here's what I mean by that specifically. We talked about this a little bit earlier, but in Root, deals are non-binding. That is in the rulebook. So, never make a deal in the hopes that somehow that's going to win you the cooperation of a player for the entire game. Just don't put that out of your mind right now. Make a deal that lasts one turn. Yeah, everybody know like yeah, your opponents know not to trust you. <laughs> yeah, they're not going to. Absolutely. Nobody owes you anything. If you become an obvious threat, there's no amount of brownie points that are going to save you. Right. There are no levels of alliances in this game. Like, even if you make, if you say, hey, moles, let's make an alliance, and the mole says yes, guess what? You're not in an alliance. <laughs> it's not, That's it's right. Not, it's not true. It's, it's not real. <laughs> okay, but what, yeah, we all know this stuff. What's the point? Here's the point. When we're talking about end game scenarios, sometimes in a game of Root, there's like some light king making that happens. Sure. Even in a tournament game, we've seen it happen in this tournament up to Just the by the like, nature of this game, too. It just yeah, has to yeah. happen. There are certain scenarios where kingmaking is happening, and in certain scenarios, players may elect to choose to elevate the player who's been behaving very nobly during the game uh, above somebody who's like done some scoundrelly <laughs> things, right? Sure. I, I will say that scoundrelly part is kind of the key. Is like it's not that they behave nobly; it's that the people voting hate the other person <laughs> so much more. Right. I feel right. like I've been elevated a few times because you two have been fighting so much. You're like, you know what? I'm just going to let Jake get the rabbit dominance. Yeah, yeah, causing someone else to lose more than elevating yeah, someone else. It's really to win, more right? about not letting them win. <laughs> but I will say, this depends on your table, your group's meta, for sure. I mean, maybe your playgroup likes to watch the world burn and will enjoy King making a scrappy, <laughs> deceitful Littlefinger type. You know, you never know. <laughs> Um, but just, uh, you know, always keep in mind before you do somebody a favor or like make a deal in the hopes that this is going to like last forever or whatever, just keep in mind, uh, in a multipolar conflict situation, being noble is, should be of secondary consideration. You got to do what's best for you. Um, be kind to your other players, of course, but you gotta, you gotta do what's best for you. You know, don't, don't put yourself out trying to help somebody else have a good game. You don't have to. Don't put it yeah. on yourself. You're not in charge of righting the wrongs of the woodland. It it was corrupt <laughs> before and after you set foot in. It's a ruthless place. All right. Well, well, well discussed. Yeah. Mm, I, I think we can reinforce our own opinions quite well. We'll just uh, yeah. keep replicating these theories in our own games and uh, pat ourselves on the back. Yeah. Now that we've talked it out, it should be really easy to implement, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, the thing about table talk is there are set rules about how everybody views it, right? Like everyone feels the exact same way and there's no point in discussing it because <laughs> we all know it, you know? Here's, there's just these rules that we just discussed. It's done. I will say when you asked a bunch of questions on the Discord, there were some very confident answers from people about how other players will act. Mm-hmm. I want to caution y'all, even the most logical of us can become irrational very quickly, especially oh, yeah. in a game of warfare, mm -hmm. um, because a lot of personal stuff is happening. It's very personal when you kill my meeples, right? <laughs> it's very personal when you disrupt the wood supply. <laughs> okay, so you, you can't always assume people will act rationally. Oh, 100%. You're kind of hoping 
they don't. And actually, I would say the majority of the time, they might not be. (laughs) And it's your job to convince them to act rationally in your favor. (laughs) Yeah, without coming off like a, you know, condescending jerk. I feel like that's what I'm struggling with now is like, because I've been like teaching kids, I have this like, like teacher voice that I've been using Mm. and it's starting to come out in my root games and I dislike it. Yeah, I here's what I want to say about like being irrational at the table, being able to like chill a little bit and take a a breath and and not take it personally is super important in root, especially is important for your table talk. So uh, one of my recommendations that I wrote here in my uh, phone's notes is be funny. Um, Yeah. Be chill. Be funny. Be fun to play with. And don't take it personally. Uh, memorize a couple jokes. No, do not memorize do jokes not memorize and jokes. insert them. But just like have a sense of humor about it. Like, you know, just you know, have fun with it. Uh, we, we all have played games where the table talk has been kind of toxic and that feels icky. It's just a game. Have some fun. And always remember that being cool means that you can sneak stuff by people and they'll be too busy trying to have fun with you and they might miss your brilliant idea. So have fun. Nice. Nice. That is good. <laughs> Sam, I just love the idea in the middle of your tournament game, there's going to be a long pause after you suggest something, then you're like, knock, knock. <laughs> <laughs> Who's there? Moles in a burrow. Moles in a burrow who? Ambush. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Because it's time oh, no. for Root Party! <laughs> Is this a weekly installment? Oh yeah, baby. Hey friends, Future Jake here. The Root Party trivia segment is available for patrons of the show. You can find out how Kyle and I did when you head over to patreon.com slash Society and pledge any level of membership. We had a lot of fun recording this one. Here's a sample of us laughing. <laughs> I want to give a special thanks to the people that helped us out with this episode, and if you want to help us out with an episode please go to the good time society discord under the woodland war machine channel give yourself the role join us for our tts games for our digital async games we'd love to hear from you we love chat and root i want to give a special thanks to Squidmark, fletch garrick samples prince shouts to nebuchadnezzar bot bot suburban end gamer 1331 demonic lord of the board germ curry c coyote scpt matt Slugface killer prestain a aaron and sp shaman nice. thanks gang thanks for friends yeah um more root winter tournament games happening although by the time this releases it might be over Um, well the tournament's not over maybe the first round of the tournament is over but at that point no one will have been eliminated already fair point so (laughs) anything else gents before we head out uh good download root on switch you guys (laughs) i'll see you out there in nintendo land uh just look up water bro 121 right yeah, Water Bro 120 Bro. And uh, <laughs> just send him just send him the message. Somebody was commenting. They're like, oh, it's been a while. I'm finally catching up on these Woodland War Machine episodes. How do you guys always start in sequence with the roots and then break down into chaos? Like, do you guys practice that? You know the answer to this, right? 
Uh, I assume that you sync up the first like one or two. Correct. Right? I, yeah. sync, I sync up the first one, then it's madness thereafter because <laughs> none of us are in time. We're on our own. We're on our own rhythm.